So, Harry. Yeah. What is the worst or silliest argument or fight you've ever had with one of your many, many siblings? <laughs> uh, well, where do I begin? Mm. Um, I think probably going to go with the time that is, you know, it's not quite an argument or a fight, although I guess it is a, a long-term disagreement I got with one of my sisters. Sure. Um, that, yes, it has been many an argument. <laughs> there was once a day uh, in primary school, maybe early high school, where uh, I woke up in the morning and for whatever reason, I couldn't stand up. You couldn't stand up? I couldn't stand up. Like you physically could not stand I up? I physically couldn't stand up. Okay. I didn't realize this until I stood up out of bed and then I just like fell backwards. How old were you? my own way. I don't know. Like, well, I, I think early high school sort of age. Okay. It's um, concerning. Yeah, it was concerning. I, I, I had no idea what it How was. How long after the time you got that really bad concussion was this? Because <laughs> I've heard that story before. <laughs> you know, I don't remember. Okay. Uh, <laughs> um, but unfortunately, this moment when I stood up out of bed and then fell backwards, not able to stand up, uh, my sister saw me. Um, and so she thinks that... Uh, me standing up, seeing her, and then falling back down was like, oh god, somebody saw me. I better uh, pretend that I can't, I, I, I can't do this, and keep up the facade because okay. I wanted to get out of school. Okay, that's the idea that she's got in her head. I mean, I would. That's kind of what the conclusion I would draw as well, knowing you as I do. It's a fair conclusion to make. Yeah, sure. I don't remember what was going on at school at the time. Mm -hmm. um, I don't. I don't remember what I missed, but I did have two days off. Uh, I, I'm not sure if mum took time off work, but she was available anyway. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, she actually took me to the hospital and I got, and I got, I got an x-ray. They couldn't work out what the cause was. <laughs> Genuinely, it was, it was a thing. You just had two days when you just couldn't walk. I could walk by the end of the first day, but then at the end, uh, but then when I woke up the next day, they'd seized up again. Uh, not as, but not as bad. <laughs> I know it sounds like bullshit, but this is real. That's so weird. Yeah. So you hadn't like done anything really strenuous. I mean, it's you. How strenuous would it be? Like, <laughs> <laughs> how dare you? <laughs> but like, but there's not. There's no reason why you might have seized up. He just randomly woke up at the age of fourteen or whatever yeah. and had lost the ability to walk for two yeah. days. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. It was. It was really weird. And to this day, I still don't know what it was or how it occurred. But that's as much detail as I can give it. So. I can't, there's not really much argument that I can make to say that I've not just made the whole thing up. Mm -hmm. So this argument has just gone on. Oh, because your sister on. refuses to believe you. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Yeah, sure. But it's the truth. Okay. And this is, well, has this ever happened to you since? Nope. Wow. That, that's insane. I know. It, it's, it's remarkably bizarre. That is a very strange one. Yeah. Yeah. And it's incredibly difficult to uh, argue the validity of it. But Yeah. I think I might be on team sister. <sighs> God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back, everybody, to Beyond the Box Set, the podcast where today we are pitching prequels, sequels, and spin-off ideas to You Can Count On Me. We'll also be pitching some drinking games and hearing from our listeners with the ideas they have posted on our Facebook and Twitter. But first, we're going to talk about some of our favourite moments from the original movie and catch you up with a bit of a plot summary. I am Harry, the host with the most reliability. 
Sure. Got anything okay. to say? No. Okay. Okay. And joining me as always, the host. Oh, because like you can count. We can count on yeah, you. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. I mean, yeah, I can count on you for most things. You, 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 nothing if not predictable. So. Yeah. That, thanks. Yeah. And joining me as always, the host with the most tardiness. John Lucas. I, I accept that. That is part of who I am. That's yep. fine. Yeah. Yep. You you have been late to many a podcast here and you live here. <laughs> it's just so. true. Yeah. It's, it's my <laughs> flat and I'm still often later than you. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, okay. Anyway, you can count on me. Yes. Where do you pick this? Um, well, I just thought, you know, I would take a bit of a risk. I thought, you know, we've been doing films recently. You know, we just got off a season of uh pop star films and i thought i'm, I'm just mm-hmm. gonna do a film um, it's oscar season as well and mm-hmm. it was on my mind like films that are this film was nominated for a lot of oscars seriously yes it was what yeah are you surprised by that really genuinely okay no best best screenplay best actress best director I think she it, was nominated Okay, well, I'm, I'm getting a sense of how you feel about this, but uh, <laughs> it's a film I really like, and I know it's not necessarily the most obvious choice, but I thought I would... I think that this film has a lot of good comedy to it. I think mm-hmm. it's a very likable film, a very charming film, mm-hmm. and I think it has an open like, open ending that could feed well into a sequel. So I thought, well, you know what? Let's just put it out there and see. Let the cards fall where they may. Sure. So, um, what did you think? I disagree with everything you said, other okay. than the word film. Okay. <laughs> um, I mean, you did, there were warning signs. You did text me last night, mid-watching, mm-hmm. with asking why on earth I'd chosen this. Yeah. But you were, it did transpire you were only half an hour in. And, and I did say to you, look. I was 40 minutes in, and I hadn't found anything that even felt like an attempt at a joke. Not even like something that I could see was trying to be funny or you know, was inappropriate or just I didn't find funny or anything like that. I couldn't find anything that felt like it was comedy. Yeah. Well, I don't think it's and like... So, and, so, and so I I genuinely... Well, I went, when you said, like, I think it's hilarious and it's got great sequel potential, I was genuinely, like, thinking, are we actually watching the same movie? Mm-hmm. Because I really wouldn't be surprised if I've just downloaded some dodgy old movie that just didn't do very well. Sure. Well, I don't. I don't think this film necessarily has like jokes. It's not like funny in the sense that a Jim Carrey film is funny yeah. or whatever. But I, 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 I got its humor by the end because okay. literally the minute after I texted you, mm-hmm. um, there were like three jokes like right, right, right after each other. And so yeah, they're not like a joke where it sets up like a scene and then there's a punchline. No, or something. no, no it's, it's not that kind of film. No, but yeah. I mean, it, it, it didn't land for me. And I'm okay. genuinely surprised that it was, this was a, an Oscar nominated film. Really? Well, you, I mean, that's the thing. I mean, did you actively dislike this movie? For large parts of it, yeah. Okay, why so? What did you not like about it? I mean, it's a valid opinion. I'm not criticizing yeah. the opinion, but like. Um, it didn't have a lot of a plot going on, mm-hmm. uh, which sometimes can work to a film's benefit. Sure. Uh, but generally, generally, if it does, it needs just some more like. I know just like some strong acting or something in it. And I didn't think, I didn't think anybody was bad. Uh huh. Like nobody was bad in this. Everybody was absolutely fine, but that's it. They were all absolutely fine. There was nobody who was entertaining on screen. I thought. Oh, I'm, I, I really strongly disagree. Like I'm really surprised by that. Honestly, even if you didn't particularly find the film to be to your sister, I think the acting in this is incredible. I think it's two of my favorite performances of all time. Mm-hmm. I think maybe a lot of it comes down to, like, I really do have a soft spot for films that are 
kind of dry and mm-hmm. but are about real life in many ways. I mean, this is a very realistic film in a lot of ways. Yeah, I think it's very much about. You're right. The, the the plot is pretty. It's it's pretty thin. Like in terms of events that happen, a brother goes to visit his sister. They have mm-hmm. some fights. Nothing mm-hmm. major. You know, there's no there's no. Apart from the very beginning, nobody dies. There's no big action mm. set pieces. It's just a, a slice of life. Yeah. But I just think the dynamic between the two of them is so realistic and so lovely and heartwarming and mm-hmm. frustrating. And I think it's such a, it's a great film yeah, for me about no, the complexities no, I, I, of a sibling relationship. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Mm. I I got all that from it, but I was I was sold as it being like a, well, it said dramedy. Yeah. Um, so I was expecting like, okay, it's you know kind of kind of dramatic, but also it's going to have some some lighter moments, and, and you know it's going to have some jokes, and I'm going to laugh at it, and I just really wasn't. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I could see this just being a swing and a miss for a, for an award season. This was voted one of the twenty best films of the twentieth century. Really? Yeah. It's not just me. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not, year, I'm not saying. I'm not. It came out in the year 2000, so it's 21st century. But whatever. But it's, sorry, that's what I mean. Over the past 20 years, there was a BBC poll, and this was in the top 20 best films released since the year 2000. Wow. So I mean, I'm not saying you're wrong. It's all opinions, but I'm, I'm not alone in this. This is a very highly regarded film. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <sighs> no, that's fine. If it's not for you, that's absolutely fine. I, I, I just think this film is a is a very nice depiction of like complicated sibling relationships. Mm-hmm. You know and. There's so much love in, in this film. There's so much love between the two of them, but also they drive each other crazy and they both make terrible decisions. But mm-hmm. at no, I just think it's, it's, I, did you find this film to be depressing? Was that a problem you had? Did you find it to be, because like, obviously this is from the same director as Manchester by the Sea, which I would say is a film I would never choose for this podcast because <laughs> that, that film is depressing. Yeah. That's yeah. a film you walk out and you're just like, I mean, I think it's a great film. Don't get me wrong, mm. but you walk out of Manchester by the Sea and you're just like, oh. <sighs> <laughs> you know it's so it's the same reason i would never do like sophie's choice you know mm-hmm. there was some film or schindler's list yeah, yeah yeah there are great films but they're not for this podcast you know yeah. there's no fun to be fun but i think this see, film see that's what I, that's what i was getting from this I, I wasn't finding it overly depressing because it's it's nowhere near like manchester by sea levels yeah. like it's got its unhappy moments mm-hmm. and the characters are clearly all depressed mm-hmm. um, and they're all making like terrible decisions because of that mm-hmm. and that's fueling it as well but like that's fine, and I I did still find some moments of enjoyment out of it. I just didn't know where to. I just didn't know where to take it for this for this podcast. That's kind of what I'm asking you, I guess. Is is it just that you didn't like this film in the context of it being a film for Beyond the Box Set, or did you not like this film? The former. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's that's okay. That's that's a different thing, you know. Not, I, I can I, well I, accept I, that I made a mistake and this isn't the right film for this podcast. I can completely accept that. Yeah. Right. I, I I didn't really sort of feel one way or the other about this. I didn't like absolutely hate it. No. And I didn't absolutely love it. It was just sort did, of, did so, it, like, somewhere in the middle. I felt a bit meh about it. Did, did it do anything for you emotionally? Is what I'm asking for. Asking really. No. No. Okay. That's fine. Again, like because I think this is a this is a real tearjerker. The end always gets me a little mm-hmm. bit. Like I, f- I think it's a very again, and that last scene on the on the uh, on the park bench when when he's waiting for the bus home and he oh, the, it's very cheesy cliche. Cheesy, <laughs> yeah. really? It was a you very very cliche scene. Oh, I really disagree. I think it's lovely. Like I don't think it's che- I don't think it's cliche that they have like this emotional breakthrough at that moment. Mm-hmm. Like I think it earns its tear. Like. I'm not a big fan of films that are tearjerkers where it's like, you know, it's a rom-com and then, oh no, she's got cancer. Or, oh no, the dog died. You know, like, <laughs> yeah. you know, it just, it just extracts tears by, you yeah. know, with, with like a precision, whatever. Mm-hmm. I don't think this film does that. I think this film 
builds up a very realistic relationship between these two people and you find them frustrating at different times and they make horrible decisions and they mm-hmm. treat each other badly. But at the end of the film, it's like you understand why they are the way they are. Mm. And that last, oh, that last scene when they're talking to each other, I don't, how is that cliched when he just says, you know, remember what we used to say to each other when we were kids and like, and they're both tearing up and they, they both know that he can't stay and mm-hmm. they both understand that it's not the right place for him. And he knows he's not going to come back for Christmas. He knows mm-hmm. he's lying to her, but, and she knows he's not going to come back for Christmas. But mm-hmm. at the same time, it's just like, I don't, I just, I just think it's very like real and human and nice. I didn't think it was cliched at all. Cliched would be like, for me, I don't know, would be like your classic tearjerker where, oh no, he's got cancer, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah. 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 Maybe cliche was too strong of a word, but just. Didn't, it didn't do anything for you. Didn't, didn't, didn't buy it. Fair enough. Fair enough. That's fine. That's, yeah. that's, that's just your opinion. You monster <laughs> dead inside um, this film is nowhere near that emotional okay well again i i, I think I, I think it's just a it's obviously a question of like what also we... i didn't like that there wasn't it's not that there wasn't any resolution there wasn't any difference between the start and the end of the film mm. like nothing changed yeah for, for for any any character really mm. yeah i think that's i think it's 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 obviously a question of like what you respond to in in a film for me i mm. i quite like a film where i don't need a film to have a neat beginning and ending I, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm quite happy to just watch two people interact for two for an hour and a half and then like as long as i feel like it's been something authentic and mm. so yeah I, I like the really dry elements of this but you know that's yeah it's neither here nor there that is just you know obviously d- didn't really do it for you mm-hmm. so I apologize. I, I, I'm sorry that uh, this hasn't been the most rewarding film I've ever chosen. Yeah, well, it's all right. But, uh, it's also not the worst. Exactly. It's not the worst. It's the second worst. I was thinking, I don't think this is this film is any more downbeat, depressing, mm. you know, than Room, which was a you pick. Oh, that was my worst. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know. Oh, you, you, but you'd say that was... Oh, no. I, yeah, I admit that I picked an absolute dud there. Don't worry. Okay, good. So we're, we're on even key. Or, or Brokeback Mountain, even. But that was a you pick. It was a me pick, but, you know, I don't know if and you... And you followed that Room by Ed Wood. True. <laughs> I, well, so we're, we're not even, John. Don't. Oh, fine, fine, fine. Whatever. Well, we've all made mistakes. <laughs> anyway, well, so we've established that I like this film more than you, but uh, I guess we should move on to a plot summary. Yeah, go for it. Maybe we can find some things you enjoyed. Yeah. Where are you? Nowhere. I had dinner with my boss. Kind of a late dinner, ain't it? How was Rudy? Fine. Did the plumber come? Yeah, the fucking plumber came. Terry, just give me a break. What's the matter with you? Nothing. I'm I'm just tired. Wanna smoke some pot? No, I don't. Why? You got some? So You Can Count On Me, directed by Kenneth Lonergan, who also wrote it and also wrote and directed Manchester by the Sea, which was a big Oscar player a few years ago. Mm -hmm. It stars Laura Linney and Mark Ruffalo, Mm -hmm. both of whom were pretty much unknown at this point. And this film made them both. Well, she'd done a few things before this. He was literally an unknown. She'd done Truman Show by this point. I think just afterwards or around the same time. Like she was a rising star. She'd done a few bits and pieces here and there. But this was definitely her big breakthrough. It was her first Oscar nomination. Mm-hmm. And he was just, he was friends with the writer-director. So this was literally his breakthrough. It was right. the first major thing he ever did. And it really put him on the map. Mm. So yeah, it's uh, it was released in the year 2000. And it opens in a small New York town. Very like picturesque, small town vibe. It, it opens pretty bleak. Because like, mm-hmm. I, did, I did think when you text me saying, 
why on earth did you choose this film? This film is just so depressing. I don't understand what you thought you were thinking. Oh of. no, I, don't don't worry about like the the opening scene because I know that like you need to give films more than like the opening scene or something to help mm. you understand what the film is, what like what its mood is. Sure, and, sure, sure. And like a scene of of two people dying in a in a in a horrific car crash. You don't really you don't really see it to be honest, mm. uh, thankfully. And then like their kids being let know. Sure, it's a it's a pretty bleak opening, but that doesn't that that doesn't turn me off. Like I know that a great comedy could start with that. <laughs> In this case, no. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think the, well, the what I'm getting as I think this film does have an interesting structure because I do think the first maybe forty minutes are pretty relentlessly sad. Yeah, but then I think the next forty minutes are pretty much all for me anyway comedy. Mm-hmm. I think the the middle of this film is for me is just really funny. Mm. But again, that's just a taste. And then at the end, it gets sad again. Right. 40 minutes is too long for a dramedy to have its first joke. I get it. I get it. it. That is definitely too long. Mm -hmm. But I I think it's like setting the characters up and then, and then you can enjoy the weird ways they behave because you understand who they are at that point. So sure. Yeah, no, that is, that is important, but I, it, it turns me off. And I, I probably wouldn't have carried it on if I, if I didn't have to. Sure. Yeah. I I got that. (laughs) I understand. Okay. So yes, opens with this, youngish couple probably you know, it's like, the same with like most of the oscar films this year if you didn't have to watch them you wouldn't yeah, yeah. sure i get that right. yes yeah, so it opens with this youngish couple probably like mid to late 30s driving along a quiet road and they get into a terrible traffic accident and they are both killed instantly well they start off by talking for what what i assumed was the setup to a joke mm-hmm. they're, they're saying like why is it that girls um are, are always given braces at the time that they can they become the most self-conscious yeah Boom, dead. Yeah. I was like, what, what was that? I think they were supposed to be that talking was, that, about that. That, 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 was, that was almost like something funny. Yeah. Well, I, I, well, that's what I like about this film. I like the fact that the dialogue is, isn't is obvious. It's not just like, mm-hmm. hey, I wonder what time we're going to get home. It's like they're just yeah. having a conversation. We just get... Oh, yeah. Plopped. No, I do love We that get plopped into it. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, they get killed in this car accident. And the next thing we see is the police going around to their house where the, they have two young children, a boy and a girl mm-hmm. called Terry and Sammy. Mm-hmm. And it's the police uh, knock on the door and inform the babysitter that uh, the parents have been killed in a car accident. The babysitter, confusingly enough for me, looked exactly like a very young, not very, like a young Laura Linney. Mm-hmm. Like she like, like, I saw her and I was like, oh, that is great casting. Yeah. <laughs> but no. No, I can understand how that would throw you, but no. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it, it didn't confuse me for long, but it was just like... Yeah. Yeah. So basically, yeah, this young brother and sister their parents have been killed and they are now orphans mm-hmm. um i think it very instantly sets the scene of what kind of really small town they live in by the fact that the babysitter and the police officer who comes to tell them that their parents are dead are on first name basis mm-hmm. so it's it's like yeah. yeah instantly clear that this is a very small town where everyone knows everyone which is kind of going to play into a lot of what happens in the mm-hmm. rest of the film so then we cut to probably about 20 years later. I'm assuming that Laura Linney... Well, I know that Laura Linney and Mark Ruffalo were both in their mid-30s okay. when they filmed it, so I'm guessing that is the age the characters are supposed yeah, to be. Yeah, sure. Kind of makes sense, yeah. Yeah, it's 20 years later, and Sammy, the Laura Linney character, is still living in this town. Mm-hmm. And she is now uh, working at a local bank, mm-hmm. and she has a young son named Rudy, who's mm-hmm. played by uh, Rory Culkin, who is Macaulay's younger brother, yep. uh, now starring in a great tv show called succession for those who watch that i know you haven't but he is yeah it's funny in succession he plays like a sexual pervert and a really gross character like a really enjoyably (laughs) gross character Mm -hmm. Uh, so just watching him be this cute little kid being like flung around by marvel reflow just kind of tickled (laughs) me but yeah anyway so yes sammy's still living in this town with her young son 
the father is the son's father is not on the scene but she's sort of dating a nice sort of dating a nice guy named bob like Mm -hmm. very casually off off and on seems to just occasionally just get with him to have sex and then Mm. they have these slightly awkward dinners uh so yeah that's her life and then as the kind of film opens she receives a letter from terry her younger brother Mm -hmm. who is now played by mark ruffalo Mm Uh, and she's not seen him in over two years. He's been out like traveling all, all around America. Yeah. And she hasn't heard from him in over six months. Mm-hmm. So she has, and again, this is a pre-Facebook film. So like <laughs> she has no way of knowing where he is. If, if, if he doesn't write to her, mm-hmm. like now you could not write to speak to a family member in months and they'd know where you were just from Facebook. But mm-hmm. yeah, in this era, like he, she has no idea whether he's alive or dead. She, she's not heard anything from him in months mm-hmm. and she's been very concerned. So she's very thrilled to get this letter that he, from him that he's going to come and visit her. Mm-hmm. And they arrange to meet. He comes back to the town, basically. And they arrange to meet in a local cafe for lunch, I guess. That's mm. how they first meet. Yeah. So he arrives and he's clearly instantly very uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. You see that he just doesn't like being in this town. He's very uncomfortable with the fact that everyone knows his name. Like He runs into that same police officer who told mm-hmm. him about his parents' death. And he just, the police officer just like, he's like, give me a cuddle. Like, it's just, it's literally says the word cuddle. Like he's incredibly like, and everyone he walks past is like shaking his hand and saying, oh, nice to see you back in town. Mm-hmm. And you can tell he's just, he hates it. Like he's, he's just not comfortable in that environment whatsoever. Yeah. So it's instantly putting him on edge. So then he meets Sammy, he meets his sister and he's very kind of fidgety and kind of passive aggressive and snapping at her a little bit. And he's, he's obviously just very uncomfortable to be back and he doesn't, it's clear he doesn't want to be there. And she's increasingly kind of upset by that and hurt by it because she was really looking forward to seeing him but it's obviously he doesn't really want to be there mm-hmm. and then as the comp as this incredibly awkward lunch goes on he admits that the reason that he hasn't been in touch with her for months on end is that he's actually been in prison mm-hmm. for probably for assault he says he got into a fight in a bar so we don't know exactly yeah. what, what the charges were but clearly he got into a bar fight ended mm-hmm. up in prison yeah uh, and actually so says that he didn't start it says he didn't start it but, but, that, but we, we clearly say. yeah again like there is there are jokes like when when he says did it ever occur to you that maybe i was in the wrong and she goes no <laughs> it made, is that a joke it made me laugh just because it was just so i don't know it just made I, I thought it was funny just sure her reaction made me laugh just like no i never thought it wasn't your fault mm-hmm. like different senses of humor i guess fine uh <laughs> <laughs> i honestly find this one hilarious like i say i don't need a joke to have a punchline or anything mm. but just I, I didn't even recognize that as a joke just that she as his sister still is like no it was clearly your fault i don't need to know the details clearly this was all your fault like i still don't get it i found it funny whatever yeah. fine okay but she's heartbroken is it just me i don't know i mean did louise like it no well then it's not just you great okay. oh thank god look there's no right or wrong answers you know it's just it's a question of taste but Mm -hmm. anyway he's been in prison and then he basically admits that the only reason he's come back and he doesn't want to stay he wants to get out as soon as possible he's just come back because he needs to borrow some money from her Mm. and it just breaks her heart it crushes her and i think this scene is so sad it's so it's so sweet and sad like because she's so happy to see him and you can just see as this whole conversation goes on like the light dies in her eyes Mm. and she realizes that he's just come back to take money from her yeah and she's just so upset about it. And to make matters worse, the reason he needs money is that he says he's got a girl pregnant mm-hmm. back in wherever he was before, Florida, whatever. Mm-hmm. And he needs the money to help pay for an abortion. So yeah. it, it couldn't be worse. It couldn't be more a more depressing reason why he's come to see her and to just mm-hmm. take some money from her. And she's obviously devastated. And she, she gives him the money because she cares about him. And then, but she's just, she has kind of a bit of a meltdown in the car. And she's like, you know, I've been looking forward to seeing you for so long. And, mm. 
if I'd known you were just going to come and ask me for money, I wish you'd just sent me an invoice instead. It would have been less painful. And mm-hmm. it's it's lovely. It's really it's really sad. Uh, you, you give me the face again. Like <laughs> Clearly it did nothing for you, but I found this to be a very sad scene. Sure. I, I, I found it less happy than the other scenes. It's not supposed to be a happy scene, but <laughs> no. I just thought it was a nice scene. Yeah. Yeah, sure. Where are we going? Pick up Rudy. Well, do you not even want me to visit now? Because I could catch the bus at 5 o'clock if that's what you want. Of course I want you to visit, you idiot. I've been looking forward to seeing you more than anything. I told everybody I know that you were coming home. I cleaned the whole fucking house so it would look nice for you. I mean, I thought you'd stay at least a few days. I had no idea that you were just broke again. I wish you'd just send me an invoice. He comes back to the house, to her house and stays to stay with her for at least for the night before mm-hmm. he heads back to see his, the girl who he'd also very unsubtly tried to dump before he left. Like he was, mm-hmm. you see a little scene of him with the girlfriend. If, if you could even say she's his girlfriend mm-hmm. and he, he kind of borrows money off her as well. And, mm-hmm. and he's like, look, when I get back, I think you should f- think very seriously about moving back in with your parents and mm-hmm. he kind of it's it's obvious that he's checked out and as soon as this abortion's happened he, he's gonna dump her yeah so he's, he's 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 not particularly covered in glory in these scenes he's not particularly treating anyone in his life terribly well no not at all so then he tries to phone the girl the pregnant girl and then he, he learns that she has attempted suicide since mm-hmm. he left because he presumably because he was so horrible to her mm-hmm. and that really cuts him up he's really devastated he, he feels very guilty mm-hmm. and because of that, he he sends her the money, but then he agrees to stay with his sister for a while while he kind of like gets his head together and sorts yeah. his life out a bit. And even though he's treated her horribly, she is still really thrilled that he's back. Like you can tell, she absolutely worships him, and she's mm-hmm. she's really happy that he's going to stay for a, for a little while. And she's looking forward to him spending some time with her and her son. Mm-hmm. And she asks him to kind of step in a little bit and helps take care of her little boy. And um, he does, he bombs. Yeah, because she's having a lot of pressure at work. Yeah, because also she's got a new manager at work. She works yeah. in this bank and they've got a new manager played by Matthew Broderick, who is definitely like at peak Matthew Broderick in this movie. Like <laughs> these are, it's like in elect, we talked about this in election. Matthew Broderick is probably the best actor, I think, in in Hollywood at playing these cringy white male mm-hmm. characters. Like just such an asshole, but like, not because he's a nasty person, just because he's just just awful he's like that yeah. you've all had that boss that who's just like a complete jobs worth who just like wants to make you do stupid paperwork for no reason and mm-hmm. yeah just doesn't get on with anyone and yeah. makes everyone's life harder yeah that's him basically so she's got this awful new boss and it means that she can't pick her son up from school anymore because he is uh, this boss doesn't like her stepping out at 3 15 every day so like for the 15 minutes it takes for her to mm-hmm. take her son to the babysitters the boss is like no find another solution and she's like well i can't i don't have a i'm a single mom i have no mm. there isn't anyone else so now that her brother's here he can help out a little bit so she asks him to pick rudy up from school and he does and they start a bonding the the uncle and the nephew they have a really sweet little bond and these are some of my favorite moments in the film when yeah, just between between these two characters like because rudy the son laurelini's son i should say clearly has desperate need of some kind of father figure. He doesn't have mm. anyone like that in his life. And he clearly instantly like connects very closely with his uncle and like really mm. w- hero worships him and really wants to impress him. And yeah, there's just some really nice little scenes where they like, well, he, he takes him to a building site and teaches him how to use a hammer. Mm-hmm. Then he, um, what else does he do? He, 
Oh, there's a really funny scene. I'm going to keep saying these scenes are really funny. You're going to be like, I didn't find it funny at all. <laughs> the scene when he gets really stoned and he comes back to the bedroom and just sits in the bedroom and just talks to the kid in this really inappropriate way. I thought that was really funny. It was odd. It was confusing. Yeah, well, he's clearly just like gone out and got pissed and got stoned. And then yeah. he's just like, he's talking to the kid like the kid is his age. Like he's a kid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, and I, this I, kid I, is like, and, he, and, and this poor kid is like seven years old. And is like, I don't understand what you're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> And he's just like ranting at him. Mm-hmm. I, I liked that. I thought it was funny. Um, yeah. No, I, I I definitely picked up on how he just referred to the kid as though he was just his best friend, doesn't he? Yeah, exactly. And this is, I think this is why the kid warms to him as well. It's because mm. he's not... He he's not treated like a kid. No, he's not treating him like a kid. He's treating him as if they're just like pals because he's basically a man-child. Yeah. Like a complete man-child. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, no, that, that was good. Finally, a compliment. <laughs> You mind if I ask you a personal question? I don't know. Do you like it here? I mean, in Scottsville? Yeah. Why? I don't know. My friends are here. I like the scenery. I don't know. I know, I know. It's just so... There's nothing to do here. Yes, there is. No, there isn't, man. It's narrow. It's dull. It's a dull, narrow town full of dull, narrow people who don't know anything except what things are like right around here. They have no perspective whatsoever, no scope. They might as well be living in the 19th century because they have no idea what's going on. And if you try and tell them that, they want to fucking kill you. What are you talking about? I have no idea. So there's that. And then also one night while he's babysitting, he takes, uh, he takes the kid out to a real like dive bar and they play pool. Mm-hmm. teaches him how to play pool mm-hmm. and kind of uses the kid as a pawn in his uh, gambling rackets to win some money for yeah but it's nice it's, re- it's really sweet and you can see how the kid really enjoys these scenes he's obviously never had this much fun in his life kind of thing I'd say I've been to a pub before he's never been to a pub had that much fun yeah exactly it was, it was great it was uh, yeah it was really good but unfortunately while they're at this bar they get spotted by the local police officer mm-hmm. who tells Sammy mm-hmm. that Laura Linney that Terry took little rudy to a bar and she confronts him about it one day after he forgets to pick rudy up Mm -hmm. and says look not only are you forgetting to pick him up you're also taking him to bars at night and telling him to lie about it to me and then Mm -hmm. and terry mark ruffalo thinks that the the boy dubbed him in the boy dubbed him in the boy the boy like squealed on him and he's such a brat the mark ruffalo i mean Mm -hmm. like he has such a tantrum about it and he he really (laughs) tells the kid off and he's like i can't believe you that's bullshit, man. I can't believe you you squealed on me. And, you know, yeah. I thought you were, I thought you were cool, man. I thought you were cool. So this like eight year old kid. And it's, it's so wrong, but it's so funny. Mm-hmm. I get for me. I don't know. I really <laughs> thought this was hilarious that he treated this kid so badly. Like, yeah. Uh, so he like f- fully like freezes the kid out then mm-hmm. based on that until uh, Laura Linney comes home one night and gets, they, they get stoned together. Mm-hmm. And then that she, that's when she tells him, look, it wasn't Rudy. He didn't tell me. It was the mm. police officer. And then he feels, clearly he feels really bad about it and he tries to make amends and the kid's yeah. like obviously quite upset about the whole thing. Meanwhile, Laura Linney, her boyfriend Bob proposes to her. Mm. Kind of out of nowhere. It seems like they've been very kind of off and on and not really dating properly and she's kind of thrown yeah. by this engagement proposal. Yeah. Doesn't feel like it, there was anything building to it. And she clearly doesn't want to no. at all, but she kind of tries well, to... Well, well, she doesn't say yes immediately. She wants to take some time to think about it. Yeah, that's never a good sign. Just, just say no. Yeah, just... you, no one's, you don't want to reluctantly agree to get married. Yeah, you either do or you don't. Yeah. yeah, like no one wants to think about it if, if they actually want to get married. Mm. So no, just, just say no. 
Well, I think she was trying to, but Bob was like, do you want to think about it? And then she's like, rather than hurt his feelings. Mm, yeah. So, yeah. So she's kind of weighing that up and she's surprised. But also, she started having an affair with Matthew Broderick, basically. Because they, they hate each other. It's a classic, you know, opposites attract kind of thing. He's he's a complete arsehole. He's mm-hmm. riding a hard over the stupidest things. Like, like the fact that she has to take 15 minutes to pick her son up. Also, the fact that people on the team have different colored monitor screens and... <laughs> He wants to stamp that <laughs> this, out. This was so bizarre it's to so me. It's so petty. But, <laughs> but I've been in those office scenarios when you get told off for doing the most stupid mundane things. Like mm. that, that is somehow sometimes what office jobs are like. So mm. again, I thought this was really funny that he is so petty and stupid and everyone hates him. Like mm-hmm. like she says later, you're the worst manager we've ever had. Yeah. And he, you can believe it, he is. <laughs> uh, so she really doesn't like him and he resents the fact that she is standing up to him. Mm-hmm. And they get into a big screaming match several times. But then one one night after they've had an argument, well, he brings his six months pregnant wife to the office and mm-hmm. takes her out. And this wife is clearly not in a good mood <laughs> at all. so unhappy. Doesn't want to be there. Yeah. Is very rude to everyone. Mm-hmm. Is rude to him. Mm-hmm. And I think that kind of arouses Laura Linney's sympathy a little bit. And she kind of feels a bit bad for him because obviously mm-hmm. he's not particularly happy in his marriage. Mm-hmm. And so, so that night she asks him to go for a beer with her one thing leads to another and they end up having sex in his car. Mm-hmm. I've got nothing to say. You made a face like that That scene had some kind of effect on you, but no. No, no, not really. It was just like, ah, oh, typical. Um, well, I laughed again. I'm just going to talk about the moments that made me laugh. I really laughed when they're having sex in the car and he says to her, he says something like, I want you to tell me who changed the colors of my monitor. And she goes, I'll never tell. Yeah. <laughs> that was funny, right? No. Yeah, sure. It was kind of, yeah. All right, fine. Well, Sammy. Yeah. I want you to tell me who changed the colors on my computer screen. I'll never tell. <laughs> so he's sleeping with her. Keep trying them. I'm going to keep, I'm not going to let this go. I'm going to no, keep no, pushing yeah, so they they start having an affair. They start having sex at every opportunity. Mm-hmm. And she feels kind of bad about it. I mean, he does have a six-month pregnant wife. It's not mm-hmm. the best. And she's also <laughs> quite religious, so this yeah. is very much against her religion. Well, yeah. now, that's a whole plot point. Uh, but also she's kind of thrilled. Clearly she's like, I very much lived her life as like the good girl, whereas her brother has clearly been like the bad boy. Mm. And I think she's obviously just enjoying being naughty for a while. Like, mm. There's a great scene again. I can't believe you don't like acting in this film. When she's just like driving on the road and she's just laughing to herself. Mm-hmm. It's great. Yeah, no, I remember that. Okay. Uh, <laughs> God, this is a, I, 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 it's, it's like just, you give me nothing back. Like, yeah, well. <laughs> so she feels really guilty about the fact that she's having this affair with this married man with a pregnant wife. Mm-hmm. So she goes to her priest. Mm-hmm. But she's too embarrassed. She can't admit what she's done at this point. So instead she kind of panics and asks the priest, instead of talking about her sins, she brings the priest back home and asks him to kind of give a lecture to Terry. Yeah. Which yeah. Terry takes about as well as you could imagine. Because he is not, <laughs> he is clearly an atheist. He clearly does not believe in religion at all. He said mm-hmm. this before. He, she asked him very early on, like, why don't you go to church? And he's like, because I don't believe any of that. I think it's a fairy tale. Mm-hmm. And so the fact that she's now brought a priest home to kind of lecture him about morals and good behavior, he just like, he's just like, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> Especially because she's just told him the night before when they all got when they both got stoned that she's sleeping with her married boss who was a pregnant yeah, So she yeah, yeah. he's just like, You are a hypocrite, fuck you. I can't believe you've done this. And but obviously mm-hmm. she's done it because she can't accept her own guilt. Yep. Whatever. But he's so mad at her, he's furious, and he 
because he's a bit of a brat or a lot of a brat, he takes out on, on Rudy, the kid, because mm-hmm. he's promised previously to take Rudy out fishing. And now he's like, no, I'm not taking you fishing anymore. Maybe you should go fishing with the priest. Like he's just, he's <laughs> so brassy. Yeah. And she's like, look, I know you're mad at me. Don't take it out on my son. And he's like, no. See, this film would have been way better if it was you in the role instead of Mark Ruffalo. Because your, deliver- your delivery on these lines, way funnier. Well, thank you. Yeah. I mean, I disagree, but thank you. <laughs> I think Mark Ruffalo is hilarious. I think he gets it pitch right. But yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, maybe we should remake it. You with Mark me Ruffalo, as the star, yeah. I'll be Laura Linney sure i can buy that yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah maybe instead of a sequel we'll just do a dramatic reading of the key scenes yeah, <laughs> yeah so he refuses to take rudy fishing just purely to spite her mm-hmm. and she's just like well you're an asshole you're the worst yeah but he does ultimately change he has a change of heart and he picks rudy up from school mm-hmm. takes rudy fishing mm-hmm. and I'll, again i feel like i'm just throwing bricks at nothing but it, <laughs> <laughs> there's a great because the kid has been so excited about the fishing trip for half the movie mm. as soon as it gets brought up the kid's so excited to go fishing mm-hmm. and then a fat and then mark ruffalo has this dramatic change of heart. he's like fine we're gonna go fishing and the kid runs into the car jumps mm-hmm. into the car so happy and then we hard cut to the scene of the fishing and the kid just goes i've never been so bored in my entire life <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah it was funny and in the course of I that... Felt, I felt for the kid in that moment. True, fishing is boring. It's yeah. overrated. Yeah, but... no, I, 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 I related to it. Have you been taken fishing against your will? No, but I've watched really boring films. Oh, I see. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, right, I get it now. <laughs> you went right into that one, John. <sighs> so, <laughs> while they're having this boring fishing contest, uh, the kid starts asking questions about his dad, because obviously Terry knew... I think we can assume that Laura Lindy probably got pregnant just out of school or something, or mm-hmm. very young. Yeah. So... The kid Rudy starts asking Terry about his dad and, mm. and whether his dad was a good fisherman. And then Mark Ruffalo, Terry, has the worst idea in the world. He says, well, you know, your dad just lives in the next town. Why don't we just go see him? Mm-hmm. And the kid obviously has never met his dad. Like, mm. it's not a relationship at all. And it turns out Laura Linney lied and said that he lived in Alaska. And Terry's like, no, your mum lied to you. She lives. He, your, your dad literally lives across the, the town. We could, we could literally go right now. Mm-hmm. I, oh, it's such a terrible decision. It's like... yeah. It's cringy. What a horrible! But then I don't think he's doing it to be cruel. I think he's just makes very poor choices and mm-hmm. just. Oh yeah, definitely. I think he feels like if the kid sees how bad his dad is, that his dad is just this waster, mm. that he'll get over it and start hero worship, stop hero worshiping him. It's like mm-hmm. tough love. Yeah. But it's so, it's just so the wrong thing to do. It's so like, why would you do this to this poor kid? Like yeah. it's awful. Yeah. Um. So so he basically kind of bullies the kid into actually going to confronts his dad for the first mm-hmm. time they drive to the trailer park where his dad lives mm-hmm. knock on the door the dad's obviously got a new wife or girlfriend who pick, who answers the door and mm-hmm. as soon as the dad who's also called rudy sees the kid and realizes who it is mm-hmm. he's like get off my property i don't want to i don't want anything to do with you get away from me yeah uh him and mark ruffalo get into a huge fight there's a massive punch up mark ruffalo just basically beats the shit out of him mm-hmm. and you just see the two of them having this massive punch up the police come. It's a hilariously bad punch up. It is a hilariously bad the punch up. The fighting in it is just terrible. Well, it is. It's not the best, but <laughs> it's also. So at least you found that funny. That was yeah. something, yeah. Uh, but then you also see poor little Rudy, poor little Rory Culkin, just like watching this massive scrap between his uncle and his dad. And his dad mm-hmm. said, I don't even know this kid. And it's, mm-hmm. it's heart wrenching. Yeah. And yeah, Mark Ruffalo gets arrested. I guess Rudy gets put into custody for the night, whatever. Mm. 
Meanwhile, Laura Linney has had another night with Matthew Broderick, but she's mm-hmm. finally worked with the courage to dump him and say, look, I don't want, I don't want to continue this affair anymore. It's, yeah. I feel really guilty. Yeah. So she's broken up with him. At which she's, point I'm concerned for her, for her job. Sure. Yeah. I mean, we'll get to her job. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, so then she, she breaks up with him. She comes home to an empty house. Mm-hmm. Like Terry's not come home. Rudy's not come home. So she obviously freaks out. She panics. She phones mm-hmm. all the police. She tries to figure out who, where they might've gone. She calls Bob and Bob stays, stays with her that night. And I think mm-hmm. that's when Bob wins around. Cause he like, <laughs> You know, he's very reliable and supportive and he yeah. knows she needs a car in case there's an emergency. So yeah. he stays the night. So, you know, Bob's a, he's a bit wet, but he's a stand-up guy. Mm-hmm. And then finally the next morning, Terry is released from prison and then she realizes what's happened and Rudy's returned. And obviously Rudy's very traumatized by what he's been through this experience. Mm-hmm. Clearly she's not said anything about, she's really avoided the, the conversation about like who his father is. So now they finally have the conversation. She's, mm-hmm. He's like, it doesn't matter. I'm not really that upset because I know that wasn't really my dad. That was just some guy. And he said, he said he wasn't really my dad. He said it wasn't his son. And she goes, no, I'm really sorry. He is. I wish he wasn't, but he is. That is who your dad is. So, mm-hmm. you know. So they have this very heartfelt little moment. And then Laura Linney. She didn't see enough of, I don't really? think. I wanted a bit more of a reaction from the kid, but like she starts telling the conversation and I could swear the camera just pans away. Mm. Well, see, uh, maybe there's the difference between me and you. I don't want to see a kid being like, wah. I, I was fine with it being like... Well, then when the kids are like, have a proper meltdown and cry and get really unhappy and everything, but I wanted the scene to just play out a little bit more. Fair enough, fair I, I didn't mind. I, it wasn't... Because like, I don't think that that kid would have cried in, the, in that conversation. No, I think he would have been quiet. Like, yeah, he seems like a very mature kid. Yeah, he is. So, yeah, I would have been quite interested to see how that how that was going to play out, but just, no. Well, yeah, but he, she tells him anyway and she, she kind of breaks it to him and then she goes down and confronts uh, Terry and she says, look... I want you to leave. Mm-hmm. This is not healthy for my son anymore. Like you're just, you're incapable of making mature decisions and you're just, you're hurting my son's feelings. And I can't, I've, I, I love you both, but I have to choose my son. Yeah. And, and he, once again, cause he's very much a baby. He refuses to accept responsibility mm-hmm. and he kind of lashes. He's like, well, fine. I'll just leave town forever. Then I'm just going to go. And, mm-hmm. and he storms out the house and sleeps over with a friend mm-hmm. and they don't speak to each other for a few days. And she doesn't know if he's even still in town or not. Yeah. Meanwhile, back at the bank, Matthew Broderick tries to fire her, mm-hmm. but she just like refuses to be fired, which I thought was really funny and cool. She's yeah. just like, "No, I'm not, you're not firing me. You can't. <laughs> I don't. I, I don't accept it." <laughs> and he's like, and he, "He's got nothing." Yeah. And that's when she kind of really rips him to shreds and goes, "Look, you are the worst manager we've ever had." <laughs> and he he says something like, "Well, fine. Why don't you run the bank?" And there's a great shot of her being like, "Hmm." Yeah. <laughs> And it's like, she is going to run the bank because he's clearly yeah. not going to last very long. He is a terrible manager. Mm-hmm. So she's great. She just really just like owns that scene. She's just mm-hmm. like, no, I'm not being fired by you. I don't respect you enough to let you fire me. Yeah. <laughs> that was good. No, thank you. Oh, okay. That was something then at least. So she does that. And Rudy is, her, her son is is really blaming her because he obviously really still hero worships Mark Ruffalo a lot. So the son yeah. is blaming Laura Liddy for kind of kicking the uncle out and yeah. and really just is angry at her and she that's making her feel really guilty and she feels really bad and she kind of has a bit of a meltdown about that so she then calls Terry mm. Mark Ruffalo and he promises to come over he, he's going to leave town the next day he's going to get on a bus and go back to Alaska or something yeah uh, but he promises that he's going to show up the next day and say goodbye to them both and he's very very late and it looks like he's not going to come but then he does at the last minute he turns up he says an emotional goodbye to Rudy, gives him a big hug, and obviously he's very moved as well, and it's mm. it, it's very sweet. And then Laura Linney takes him to the bus stop, and they sit together, and I love this scene so much. This is the reason I'd, like, <laughs> come back to this movie. This scene is 
beautiful. Mm-hmm. I really think it is. They just have this real like emotional heart to heart. Like she says, like I I never wanted you to like disappear. I just don't think you can be around my son right now because you're not behaving particularly well. But yeah. I want you to be in my life. I I really care about you, and I you know you're the, my favorite person and all this stuff. And and then he he kind of somewhat admits that he was in the wrong, and they they really talk it out. And then she. He promises to come back for Christmas and she knows he's lying. And she knows she knows he's not going to see him for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, but then they just have this very emotional moment together where they kind of remember how shit their childhood was and how they only had each other. And she's, it's like, because the, the, clearly that's where the, the title of the movie comes in. Mm. Uh, you can count on me. Yeah. Like, it never comes up until this scene. And then he says, hey, remember? And he's, how can you think Mark Ruffalo will be better than me? That's like, he's literally like holding back sobs. It's so powerful. Mm-hmm. He says, look, remember what we said when we were kids and they never say it out loud, but clearly it's, you can count on me. Mm-hmm. That's clearly what they say to each other. Yeah. Um, and they just have this really emotional moment and they reconcile and they hug and he gets on the bus and they go their separate ways. Yeah. And the movie ends. Yeah. And, and uh, you heartless bastard. That's and, and I cheer. And you cheer for the movie ending. Yeah. yeah. Come on, Sammy. You can trust me. Come on, Sammy. Look at me. Look at me. Hey, Sammy. Remember when we were kids? Remember what we always used to say to each other? Of course I do. Remember when we were kids? Well, that's it. That's the movie. I'm sorry it didn't really work for you, but I liked it a lot. Yeah, no, a bit of a dad, sorry. Okay, well, fair enough. It happens. I will take that note and I'll try to avoid anything that, you know, involves real feelings in the future. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Clearly not your bag. Ah, well. Um, listeners, if you are anything unlike me and you feel like you have enjoyed this or you've enjoyed any previous episode, mm-hmm. then, you know, why not say thank you to me and John, not just by giving us a uh, a five-star review somewhere, mm-hmm. but by going to patreon.com slash set and supporting us for as much or as little as you think you're worth. Mm-hmm. If you do, you get a few bonus features. You get a bonus show, which uh, we review cinema releases yeah. and streaming releases, uh, building up to the Oscars right now. So um, there's all that. I would love to say good things about that, but there's... It's not a classic year, I'd say. <sighs> it's, a, it's a bit of a downer year, I've got to be honest. Mm-hmm. But uh, anyway, we'll get to that in... Uh, our next review of Nomadland, I think. Uh-huh. I'm sure you loved that film. Yeah, yeah, it was just great. Uh, also, if you become a Patreon, you get to do Patreon picks as well, which every yeah. month we get a Patreon to pick an episode for the main show that you get to choose the film. Become a guest if you want to, yeah. but you don't have to. Pick Manchester by the sea. <laughs> Crush Harry. <laughs> I do reserve the right to veto. Okay, fine. Um, and I veto that here and now. Okay, fine. <laughs> Forever. Uh, yeah, what else do you get? You get extended episodes. Uh-huh. You want some bit more talk about the film, more sequel ideas, more listener submissions. Yeah, that's that. Mm-hmm. And you also get a 30 second advert slot where you can pitch, you know, where you can pitch, where you can talk about your own podcast. You can your pitch your podcast. Yeah, 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 you can pitch. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, whatever you want to talk about for 30 seconds. Mm-hmm. So yeah, all that and more at patreon.com slash beyond the box set. Indeed. So what does a receptionist do when the fire alarm goes off? I don't know. Call the fire brigade? I seriously hope that was a joke. That's what the fire alarm is for. Well, she's the one who asked what to do. 
I'm just guessing. Well, I think you'd have to be the one that makes sure everyone knows where the fire exits are and checks that everyone is out of the building. Like, we have the list of guests. It's not that hard. I just wait till it actually happens and we'll see if you find it's not that hard. What are you going to do if everyone goes off running in different directions before you check them off your list? Or someone sleeps through it. I highly doubt you can sleep through a fire alarm. I have. <laughs> sure. So what, we're just going to say they'll check off all the guests as they exit the building to make sure they're all out? Welcome to The Quids In is a new fictional podcast coming to all podcasting platforms weekly from September 10th, 2020. Learn more about the show by visiting our website at islandlifeproductions.com and clicking on Support Us. Okay, so shall we get to drinking games? I'm very excited because you've had so many <laughs> so many thoughts and feelings on this film. I, I can't imagine how good your drinking games are going to be. Yeah, okay. It's a lot of attitude right there. But, Sorry, go but, on. Uh, yeah, sure. Prove, prove me wrong. Um, so, first of all, drink for that goddamn cello music all <laughs> the time. I, I had that too, drink the, for the, the cello. The, 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 the first time it came in, me and Louise both simultaneously sighed. I was like, oh God, this music is so overplayed. And then like it got about 10 seconds into that, just that, that piece. And I was like, oh no, actually, this is actually, this is really good. I actually quite like this. And then it plays every single time that like, between every single scene. Mm -hmm. And looking at some of the reviews of this film that are all really like, oh my God, this really spoke to my heart. This is such a, this is a masterpiece of cinema. I think it's all down to pretentious people liking this music. Are, are you saying that I'm pretentious? Yeah. Okay. Have I not said that before? Sorry. <laughs> okay. Just... <laughs> so we're clear. Fine. Yeah, it's all about the cello. Yeah. Right. So I agree that. Sorry, I... Bach, but your music is overplayed. Uh, is it Bach? Yeah. Oh, I thought it was an original piece. No. Okay. Well, maybe this was its first use in film, but it's written by Bach. Now who's pretentious? I got. I can't <laughs> tell a Bach piece. I don't know. No, you're just an idiot. <laughs> wow. Okay. <laughs> All the gloves are off this week, listeners. <laughs> uh, yeah, I also had drink for the cello. It, it is very prominent in this film. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Okay, I had drink for smoking. Oh, yeah. This yeah, feels yeah. like sure. a very early 2000s film where it's just at that point before people stopped smoking. Um, everyone in this film smokes, apart from the kid. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Lots yeah. of, lots of like great. I always like a scene when people are like leaning out of a window to smoke, so they don't. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. No, I should have should have written that one down actually. But yeah, I, I love it when people are trying to smoke subtly, mm -hmm. as though it ever works. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> smoking is a very potent smell, and like especially when it's weed as well. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah. it's, it's a bit where he tries to do it in like the toilet of a bus. Yeah, <laughs> everyone knows. Yes, very. Much and so. they all hate you. A hundred percent. Um, a drink for old tech. Yes, I knew that would annoy or old you know, tech and you. ridiculously coloured screens. Yeah, I mean, I don't know how that woman. It may, if it makes her happy, fine. But I don't know how that woman <laughs> possibly gets any work done with a pink screen. Yeah, like, like, is she colourblind? Mr. Blobby OS. Yeah, it it looked awful. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I had drink every time Matthew Broderick is just tragic. Nice. Just is just an asshole. Just the worst character. Yeah, like, it's it's he's such a terrible boss such a job's worth mm. but he, he is the comic relief of this movie along those lines i've got drink whenever mark ruffalo is a man child mm -hmm. i drink every time mark ruffalo makes poor choices yeah <laughs> he, he makes, that for anybody really yeah but he him in particular like laura Lenny's doing her best you know as a mom well she varies clearly sleeping with matthew broderick not the best move but no. in you know she's the good sister you know, mark ruffalo going to the priest 
Yeah, no, he does. No, she does make bad choices. She does. Yeah. But I'm just saying, like, they, they all make bad choices, but his choices are particularly disastrous. I think Mark Ruffalo's, you know, mm-hmm. like taking poor Rudy to see his birth father and all that. Like, it's just, it's just, <laughs> was so just a, that was a nightmare. It was a nightmare, yeah. Um, oh, I've just covered it as well, actually. I said, drink whenever Laura Linney is bad at her job. Mm-hmm. I don't know. That is, that is definitely different. Stuff like just when she is just like running out of the office without talking to her boss or mm-hmm. like talking back to people and just like kind of keeping up with the, the sort of encouraging the, uh, the the gossip and the pranking of like changing people's screens and stuff like that. Mm. I don't think that makes yeah. her bad at her job. Some of it does. Running out of the office without talking to your boss. Like there's a bit where she literally runs past him. To, sure, yeah, no, she like, could stop and say, look, this is yeah, where I'm going. Yeah. yeah, like, yeah, at least say where you're going, not even say, can I go, just tell him that you, where you're going. I should have known you'd side, you'd side with Matthew Broderick in this film. Well, she doesn't appear in work for an entire day at one point. Sure. What's he, 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 he doesn't know anything, like, he's not been told anything, so what's he supposed to do about that? <laughs> All right. Like, well. just, and, and, and even when, like, he calls her, she's just, like, mean to him down the phone. Like, just let him know, like, oh, sorry, my kid was... Taken to like it's a whole thing, but ultimately my kid has been in the custody of the police for the past forty eight hours, and I and I wasn't aware of this. I, I wasn't aware. I didn't know where he was because I was sleeping with you. Yeah. <laughs> so give me a break. <laughs> so yeah. Fine. Fine. Anyway, the most hess up you've become about this movie <laughs> is to defend Matthew Broderick, who is literally the villain of this movie. Right? <laughs> he is as close to a villain as, as you're gonna yeah. get. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, on a very similar note, drink for post it notes. Mm-hmm. Love a post-it note. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm done. Uh, I'm actually also done. Those were all my drinking games. Right. Yeah. Cool. Well, sequels then? Sure, let's hit, let's go for it. Well, I really struggled in watching this film for many reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, but one of them was that just I did not know where to take this. I had a few ideas, but nothing really sort of jumped out to me. The first idea that I had was to just try and take it like, where are they now? Yeah. It, it, it's an obvious one. Like, where, what are they doing now? Yeah. But the only things that these characters are about is bad decisions. Sure. So all I could think of was just a series of bad decisions that they'd all made. And all of it just kept getting really depressing. Okay. I just didn't really feel like talking about it because I'm trying to do a, a, a moderately comedic podcast. Okay. So this movie defeated your sense of making well, things funny. Yeah, yeah, basically. Yeah. I, I'm not very good at making misery funny. Mm-hmm. I'm great at making misery miserable. And you're great, great at making comedy miserable. Yeah, too, yeah, so. yeah, no, I am. <laughs> I'll, 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 I'll take that. So I thought that like, I really didn't, I didn't have it in me to try and make a miserable sequel. Okay. I can't, I can't be asked. So what you're saying is I've broken you. Uh, yeah, yeah. Okay. but don't feel proud. <laughs> oh, I do. <laughs> Mission accomplished, baby. <laughs> um, yeah. So I had, I had some other like very small ideas, but I just really didn't know where to take them. So, okay. like, you know, I've got my lists that I go that I go through with different different ideas. Yeah, you've, to you've try got and... your templates. We all yeah. have, we're two hundred odd episodes in. We need we need a format here. We yeah. need a formula. Yeah. And it's this film has is jumped past all. It's failed everything. It's failed every hurdle. Yeah. it's failed every so, Harry Chapel. So, so I tried like taking the title. Like, what if I switch it around? Like, I can rely on you, or whatever it is. Or I can count on you, yeah. or I can count on me. You can count on you. Nothing worked there. No. There was no wordplay with the title. I, I tried thinking like, what about words that rhyme? Like, you can count on bees. <laughs> like, no, there's nothing there. I don't know. I think I want to see that. You can count on bees. <laughs> it's like the same film, but they're all like in a in a hive. I guess, but. 
Again, what, what, what is this? I don't, I don't like really a know. queen bee and a worker drone, but they, you know, their relationship goes, <laughs> I don't know, goes poorly. Yeah, no, I'm, it's I'm, not quite buzzing. Fine, okay. No, yeah, and so the next on the list is like do a crossover or something. But what, like, what do you cross over? Like this film that just had nothing for me. Mm. Like the only thing that obviously, uh, uh. I think you probably thought of this, but, but as you picked the movie, like, oh, Mark Ruffalo, Mark Ruffalo of the Hulk, Harry will do a Marvel thing. Yeah, that wasn't in my mind, there's, but... There's nothing I mean, there. to be fair, that, yeah, it's not the easiest. This, the, like, the characters share nothing in common other than their visual appearance. Sure. Apart from the Ed Norton movie. Yes, yeah, so not, not, not even. <laughs> so, that, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, there's nothing there. There's nothing... There's, yeah, there's no crossovers. Can't do a prequel, because that is the opening to the movie. Sure. Can't do his sidequel because there's nothing really going on there. I was thinking maybe something of Matthew Broderick's character. Uh-huh. Because he's like the most open. He's um, the comic relief for this movie, yeah. I guess, yeah. Uh, so you could do some sort of a prequel with him. But again, it's just... He's just the guy who makes bad decisions. Mm-hmm. Um, and like he's just, a, he's just a bad guy who makes bad decisions. He's not even somebody who you want to root for. No. Um, so I don't really know what to do there. But the best that I could come up with is just doing The Office. Yeah. Uh, But there's a major problem there, which is I haven't seen The Office. Either the US or the UK version. No, I did watch two episodes of the UK version um, in my lunch break once, Mm. but that made me very depressed. Yeah. (laughs) I feel like wrong place and time. Like sat sat at my computer in the office. Yeah, that's not not a good shout. No. So, um, yeah, no, I'm I'm officially beaten by this. So what you're saying is I've, I've defeated you with this film. Yeah. But again, that's not a good thing, John. I kind of feel like it is. Well, I feel pretty proud. Okay, do you want me to try and beat you? <laughs> no, but I feel like you've <laughs> never... I, I've always risen to the bad choices you've made. Yeah, but that's... I, I don't know. I don't care. That's okay, I get it. So I have a sequel... I mean, I mean, you've not risen to all the bad choices you've made. You didn't You didn't come up with a sequel for Edward. I think I did, didn't I? I don't think you did. Oh, did, oh, did we? Okay, fine. So that, that, you, you, I, you, you officially called that episode before I had the chance to okay so yeah not that i disagree don't get me wrong god damn we we could revisit it (laughs) so yeah okay well i have that you picked broke that mountain that didn't work either like you look i like to push boundaries i don't want to it's the third time now john third time four strikes and you're out that's the rule okay right so (laughs) i'm on i'm on i'm on thin ice okay well (laughs) i have a sequel idea that works for me and then i have one that is like a sketch that maybe I think you could help me with. Okay. So maybe we can bring it back to that. But okay. I am taking this as a personal victory. Great. Okay. Well, you really shouldn't. Well, I am. I'm choosing to take it as a victory. I'm choosing to Im- accentuate the positive here. Okay. I'd rather take a swing you, you, and a miss. You know what? You know what I'm going to take as a personal victory? Uh-huh. If you can come up with a sequel to every film that I've done. What do you mean? If 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 you can do what we planned to do on this podcast, which is pitching sequels to films. Yes. If, I, if, if, if an episode that you, that you pick fails to do that, then surely that's not a victory. Right, you, don't, okay. you, don't, you don't make any sense, John. I'm just trying to, I'm trying to extract some positivity from this <laughs> train wreck of an episode. What, by rewarding yourself for picking a bad film? Yes, this is not a bad film. One of the best <laughs> films of the 20th century. Okay, take it down. Critics. Down. Critics said that. Not just me. Critics. <laughs> What critics? The Guardian? I don't know. Oh, yeah. The, yeah, great. Cool. Look, do you want to hear my sequel or not? Yeah, go for it. Great. Okay. It's getting over. 
<laughs> so my sequel uh, is You Can Count On Me Too, You Can Count On Him. Okay. I thought that was a reasonable enough sure. title. Uh, and it is actually, it's picking up 20 years after the original film. Because okay, yeah. you've got two very talented actors here and I would like to see them rekindle these characters. And I think it, the reason I chose this movie is that I did think it was, it did leave things open for a sequel because it does end up with one character hitting the road and the future is uncertain. Mm-hmm. And I thought that might have something. So, but the main thing about this is that Laura Linney's character is very much like this very well-behaved kind of religiously conservative kind of good person. Mm. And I was wondering like, how might that turn out as time goes by? Mm-hmm. So I was thinking, let's say 20 years have passed. Sammy, the Laura Linney character is mm-hmm. still working in that bank, but now she's the manager. She has kicked out Matthew Broderick. He's long right. since left. Great. He was clearly not going to last in that job. It wasn't for him. So he's left. She now manages that bank. Uh, meanwhile, Terry, her brother, continues to drift around. He's never really found a, a grounding. Like mm. he's never got married or settled down with kids. He's still like going from town to town and getting into wild scrapes. And you know. yeah. she sees him every couple of years. He comes to visit. He doesn't stay very long. He always causes a lot of drama. You know, mm-hmm. that's who he is. So mm-hmm. yeah. So after a series of misadventures. He does decide to return to his hometown once again for a visit. Mm-hmm. So he rolls up back into town again to stay with Sammy for a while. But he finds her, and even though she's delighted to see him, because she always is, she's also deeply depressed in this moment. She's very sad yeah. because Rudy has disappeared. Her uh, son has disappeared. Oh dear. So he went off to, he's now in his like early to mid 20s, and he mm-hmm. went off, he already left the town to go to college, to go mm-hmm. to university. But since going to university, he has quit university and he has fully dropped off the radar mm-hmm. she has no idea where he is what he's doing she's not heard from, it's it's like history repeating just like her brother disappeared all those years ago mm. her son has now disappeared he's not speaking to her she has no idea whether he's alive or dead whether he's behaving well last she heard he was somewhere in new york yeah and that's all she knows yeah and so when terry comes back she's devastated she tells him that she's so concerned that rudy might be in trouble and he because he feels really bad for it and also because he cares about his nephew he says, look, I will go. You, you can count on me. I'm going to go to New York and I'm going to find Rudy and I'm going to bring him back home. Mm-hmm. And so this film is going to be Terry's misadventures as he goes to New York to bring Rudy home. Mm-hmm. Something that he does, he goes to New York. It's like he can finally like repay Sammy for all the good deeds she's done for him. Like she yeah. can fi- He can finally like, you know, make amends. So he travels, he goes on a road trip. He drives up to New York. And there's going to be a lot of him flitting around the city, trying to like find out where Rudy might be, you know, going to all these different bars, having mm-hmm. these crazy drunken scrapes. But I'm thinking it could be additionally funny because he's a lot older now. Mm. Like Mark Ruffalo is like 54, I think at this point. So like he's kind of, because I think the character hasn't really matured. He is still in his head. He's a 17 year old boy. He's still like yeah. a drifter, but he's still trying to be the same person. So now he's, still trying to be that kind of like charming drifter in turn up at the bars all night at all times of the night, etc. Mm-hmm. But he's way too old to be there, you know, and it's just awkward. Like, and no one takes him very seriously and, mm-hmm. and he's having, it, it puts him in these weird positions. So I'm thinking that could be kind of a source of comedy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Eventually after much f- flitting around New York and have many misadventures, he finally does discover Rudy who is in fact working as a drag queen at a local bar in New York. Okay. I think in New York has a vibrant gay scene. So. Yeah, sure. And what I'm thinking is because one major plot point of the original movie is that Laura Linney's character is quite religious, even though she's not the most consistent person when it comes to this. <laughs> but she is very, she does seem to have a very deep religious faith. Mm-hmm. And so I'm thinking that 
the reason that Rudy has left home is that he fears or maybe, yeah, he tried to come out to his mother and she didn't reject him, but she tried to, rather than accept him as for who he was, she again was like, why don't you speak to a priest? Mm-hmm. And so she never made him feel like he was accepted as a, as the gay man that he is. Yeah. So that caused him to drift away from her and then run away to New York so that he could live his best life and mm-hmm. become a drag queen in New York, basically. Yeah. So that's what he's doing now. But he's also like got way too into like the New York party scene. He's probably got a bit of a drug problem. Mm-hmm. He's not particularly stable or settled. And he's actually in quite kind of a bad way. Maybe he's got like a very serious drug problem, actually. Yeah. So when Terry finds him, even though he sympathizes with the fact that Sammy's quite conservative. He does. He sees that Rudy is actually in a bad way and needs some needs some family support, mm-hmm. and that's what he's there for. So I think we could have some fun scenes of like Uncle Terry living with Rudy in New York for a while, like on on this very like flamboyant New York gay scene. And he's so he he, he likes to think of himself as being such a this is this is a Terry. I mean, Mark Ruffalo's character likes to think of himself as being this incredibly liberal and very open minded and cool and you know and like really unflappable character yeah but actually he's way out of his depth here like Mm -hmm. this world of like bitchy drag queens is so far beyond what his life experiences are (laughs) and he doesn't want to be conservative in any way shape or form but he's actually like very uncomfortable with a lot of what's Mm -hmm. he's seeing and he's he doesn't really know how to handle it i think that could be really funny this kind of culture clash of him trying to fit in and trying to convince himself and everyone else that he's totally cool and down with the kids and Mm -hmm. when actually he's really yeah this is not his world whatsoever and he's He's very troubled by a lot of it. And initially, I think initially Rudy's going to refuse to go home because he, feel like his, he feels like his mother hasn't supported him. And also it's going to turn out that Rudy still holds it against his mother mm-hmm. that she pushed Uncle Uncle Terry away. Like he, she, he still thinks it was her fault that he left because he was such a young age when that happened. He doesn't realize that it was because Uncle Terry was being so such a toxic presence in their lives yeah. in many ways. He still blames her. He's like, look, I don't know why you're defending her when she made you go away and you were like you were like a father to me and mm. i really missed you and i blame i always thought she was a bitch for doing that to you like he really blames his mother for that whole scenario because he doesn't know what really went down mm-hmm. and so this gives uncle terry a chance to like lay down some home truths and be like look you don't understand i messed up completely she was just trying to protect you yeah she did nothing wrong kind of thing and so she, he he really lays down some home truths and kind of puts rudy straight but rudy still refuses to return home he's like i'm not going back to that town that's mm-hmm. that I'm, i've left it behind me so instead terry calls laura linney sammy and says look he's i'm with him i found your son he's not coming home you need to come to him right yeah so then she that means laura linney can drive down to new york into this kind of crazy gay bubble that they're living in and again obviously it's a culture clash for her it's she's very small town this is not what she's used to uh but yeah i'm thinking she watches her son perform at a club or something mm-hmm. realizes that he's doing what makes him happy even though he's in a bad place in many ways with, with drugs and stuff but uh yeah they reconcile and she tells him that she loves him no matter what and uh yeah i'm just i just think like she, they both realize she realizes that she's not been as open-minded as she could have been and he realizes that she does love him unconditionally and she's his mother mm-hmm. and uh yeah and and the two of them and uncle terry as well they they kind of make peace with each other and are stronger as a family at the end of it. Yeah. So it's just a nice family drama, I guess. Yeah, it seems it. A, you know, continuation of the original. Mm-hmm. So that was a, you can count on him. Nice. Him being yeah, Terry, yeah. I guess, because he brings it all back together. Yeah. So that was my sequel idea, you know, for for the film. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing I had that maybe you can help me with, potentially, 
Uh, I don't know if there's much going on here, but the other idea that I had that might be more up your street is that one of the thoughts I had while watching this film is that Mark Ruffalo is a great actor. Mm-hmm. Maybe you disagree about this particular performance, but I think he's great. <laughs> well, no, I didn't think that anybody was bad in this film. But it just didn't blow you away. Yeah. But fine, okay. But the point is that... It For a really... film with no plot, I needed to be blown away by the acting. I get that, I get that. But it got me to thinking about how um, a lot of actors, Mark Ruffalo being one of them, seem like since they've been sucked into the MCU, they've not really had a lot of time to make other movies. Mm-hmm. And it really got me thinking, like, oh, what movies would they have made if they weren't playing Hulk or Iron Man or yeah. whatever Don Cheadle has been playing for the last 20 years? I don't know. <laughs> like, you know, what mm-hmm. a waste of great acting. Mm-hmm. You know, not, I'm not being snobby about, oh, okay, but that might be a little bit snobby. <laughs> but a uh, waste of their time. Well, I don't know. They, they could have done more things. I, what, what would Elizabeth Olsen's career be if she didn't have WandaVision? You know, it's well, interesting. Yeah. She made some really interesting indie films before she made that one. Brie Larson, you know, she made um, Room, won an Oscar. She mm-hmm. made, what was that film that we really liked? Um, uh, with the, the gunfight in the car free, free, free Fight. Free Fight. She made some really interesting films. I mean, she's hardly not making interesting. She's been in two Marvel films. What like, else has Brie Larson done in the past five years? Uh, uh, she did a film with Samuel L. Jackson that nobody watched. Did she? Yeah, I went straight to Netflix. Oh, okay. I, I, well, there's I, a I, ringing I, endorsement. I don't know why. I... I I, I, I don't know. <laughs> well, whatever. So I was thinking you could do some kind of invasion of the body snatchers kind of thing around famous actors being kidnapped and forced to make Marvel films when they could have made so many better movies. Is there anything there for you? What is this? Is this a, is this a film? Is this a documentary? Is I don't know. A mockumentary? A mockumentary works. I think I think it's got to be comedic. It's got to yeah. be like, it could be like produced by Marvel as like a, no, I, I reckon the mockumentary series totally works, like one per uh, per Marvel film. Yeah, it could be like behind the music or behind the film, like, you know, behind the camera. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's it's about these actors who are very theatrical and like Mark Ruffalo could, make, take, could take the piss out of himself, you know. Mm-hmm. And it could be about these actors trying to put themselves forward as serious thespians, but they're also mm-hmm. totally setting out for crappy Marvel films. Yeah. And you could really Again, like take it, take it all back, John. No, I'm not taking any of it back. I'm stand, I'm dying on this hill. But like you could, you could parody it so the Marvel films look worse than they are because I know yeah, that yeah, them yeah. are very good. Yeah, yeah, make them look like much more sellout roles. Yeah, exactly. You could yeah. really make this funny. It could, and you could really <clears throat> allow them to make fun of themselves. Mm-hmm. And then you could have because I think if there's ever an actor who doesn't fit in the MCU, it's Laura Linney because she's so serious that she's not. You know, she's never going to play a superhero. Yeah, but like that could be really funny. Like it could be a film about Laura Linney. Mm-hmm. It could be like, it could start as a You Can Count On Me reunion mm-hmm. and Mark Ruffalo's like, wrote, literally like flinging dollar bills into the air and just cackling. Because maybe, maybe it's like a uh, a couple of years before Spider-Man comes yes. out and it's like, Aunt May's just waiting. Mm-hmm. Like you could be Aunt May, Laura Linney. Do you want to be Aunt May? And maybe it's like, it's when people become Marvel actors, it kind of becomes like, Hey, I'm I'm infected now. Do you want do you want to come and join? Yeah, it? it's, it's like it's, joining Scientology. Yeah, it's a cult. Yeah. yeah, 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 a cult. That's what I'm looking for. Yes, but I'm I'm thinking yeah. So maybe the two of them like catch up twenty years after you can count on me. They have a little documentary about where their careers went since, mm-hmm. and he is a gazillionaire. Like yeah. he's so rich. <laughs> yeah, he's tanned. He's got like you know whatever, and he's just like rolling in money. Mm-hmm. And she's like, yeah, you know, I was in love actually too recently. You know, like she's not really <laughs> doing that much, and she's. Mm-hmm. She realizes, oh my god, I've missed the I've missed the gravy trade. I need to get myself into a Marvel movie, mm-hmm. and it could just all be about Laura Linney's, like, because she's so not not suited to be in Marvel. It's mm-hmm. just not her world. Yeah, like Laura Linney, very serious actress, trying to like get into the the MCU, mm-hmm. even though there's no demand for it. And yeah. it, it just it could just be like a 
Yeah, it would really work as a mockumentary. It could be like 30 Rock meets the comeback kind of thing. Like, yeah, I could yeah, really yeah. imagine her, Laura Linney taking the piss out of herself and Mark Ruffalo taking the piss out of himself as like a sellout and her taking the piss out of herself as being like a serious actress, you know, quote unquote, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, I, I, don't, I, just, I feel like there's a lot, you could, a lot of fun you could have with that. Yeah. 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 Yeah, no, that, 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 that could be good. Yeah, anything to add to that? You can count on Marvel. You can count on Marvel for the cash. There you go. Good, mm-hmm. Brilliant. See, that's something. Okay, <laughs> are we ready to put this film to bed? Thank the Lord. Okay, look, it was a it was a swing and a miss. Sometimes that happens, you know. Yeah, yeah. you've got to take it as it comes. <clears throat> well, anyway, so at this point, we would normally cut to our our Patreon call in section where they uh, pitch their sequel ideas mm-hmm. um, for this film. But because John's picked a film that nobody seems to have heard of, <laughs> um, <laughs> stop kicking it, Harry! It's already dead. <laughs> We, we've got nothing this week, but luckily you've got some... Uh... I have some esteemed listener submissions from people who have taste and understand real cinema. Yeah. Yes. So I will share those with you now. <laughs> so Rob Farnham said, you can count me out. There we go. Maybe he's just not seen the film. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm, I'm with him. Yeah. Ben Stevens said, you can count on me too. It's a, uh, a, a movie about the rise of the Me Too movement. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 Ryan Clean doesn't, doesn't sound like he's seen it. No, true. A lot of these are just puns, to be fair. Mm. Uh, Ryan Klemer said, you can count on you, me, and Dupre. It's a bad rom-com. Yeah, yeah. Again, probably hasn't seen the original film. Nope. Uh, Julia Artemis Pinkham said, you can count on me, Cap. I guess that's uh, Marvel MCU Captain America. Did Cap and Hulk have many interactions? Uh, Yeah, but like, what, what do you mean you can count on me, Cap? Like, you can count on me, Cap. Captain Marvel, isn't his nickname Cap? Named Captain America. Sorry, Captain um, America is his nickname Cap. Yeah, yeah but yeah, I just don't really know whether. Okay. No, okay, fine. Well, that was something. Uh, Tim Morgan said, "You can count down on me." <laughs> After Rachel Riley, the host of Countdown, uh, snaps and expresses why she really voted for Brexit, the main characters replace her on Countdown, and I don't know, learn some stuff about arithmetic? Question mark. Okay, I feel like none of these people have actually watched this movie. They haven't, have they, John? I've not seen a single one yet that sounds like they've watched the movie. No. Uh, Marcus, we'll carry on. <laughs> Marcus McGahey said, really, you can count on me. The rise of Abacus Man. So you can yeah, count Counting on again, me. yeah, great. Over on Twitter, maybe Twitter's... <coughs> <laughs> Sorry. So, so smug right now. Mike, <laughs> Mike and Oscar at MM and Oscar said, guessing you'd probably reverse the roles. Ha ha, he's seen it. Guessing you'd probably reverse the roles. He's stable and situated in a healthy town job and home. She's going to do the nomad thing. Is this sequel Nomadland? Has Laura Linney become the nomad from Nomadland? Has she become, um, what's her Francis name? Frances McDormand? Could be. Could yeah, be, yeah. Sure. <laughs> I mean, why not just make this film worse? Go on, do yeah, it. Sure. Uh, Fritz and at Fritz and Oscars, mm-hmm. Fritz and the Oscars said. She goes to his hometown as he has died in a car crash. Bleak. While there, she discovers that he faked his death, less bleak, <laughs> to escape from his financial problems. It then becomes a road trip in which they escape from a bunch of criminals during which they rebond and learn a lot about each other. Sure. So I guess the short version of that is Mark Ruffalo and Laura Linney on a road trip together. Yep. Which is a good time. Yeah, maybe. Uh, so that's our last uh, sequel, which, although we did get a reply from esteemed New York Times journalist, Janet Maslin. She's the film critic for the New York Times. She's very well-known in critic circles. This is a big get for us, Harry. 
Trust me. Are you making this up? No, it's true. It's true. Okay. She replied to my tweet and she said, I was lucky enough to be on the Sundance 2000 jury, you know, the Sundance Film Festival. Yeah, yeah. You can count Wait, on me. Wait, so it's her fault? Oh my God. She, she says, she continues, you can count on me. It was the favorite to win that year, but it had a close competitor. We decided it wasn't fair to award either one film above the other. So Karen Kurosama's Girl Fight shared the top prize with You Can Count On Me. Both films were debut films from the directors that year. All right. So what that tells me is that next week we should do um, <laughs> Girl Fight. Because if it's anything what Nike as good as uh, You Can Count On Me, it's a winner. So. You know, I am sold by the title, though. Girl Fight. Girl Fight. Sure. I've, I've got to say, I, I am interested to know what that is. Mm-hmm. So now that film's on the short list. I will need to do my research first. Fair enough. Okay. Um, well, anyway, regardless, thank you, Janet, for writing it anyway. It, it's it's a deep honor to have you on the podcast. Yeah. Thank you very much for taking the time to share your experiences. And I, for one, I'm very pleased that uh, you awarded this film the best film of the year, even if someone, some among us don't agree. <laughs> Wait, she said that she was just part of the... Uh, the jury, but part, she part, was... Part of the, was she, do you know if she was voting for it or against it? She said that she wanted to split it between these two films, so it sounds okay. like she, yeah. Okay, well, I guess you know which podcast host you prefer. Mm-hmm. So thank you, everybody, for those sequel ideas. We ask for your listener submissions every week, a few days before we record, by putting posts out on Facebook and Twitter where you can post your ideas. So make sure you like and follow our pages if you don't want to miss out. To listen to more episodes of Beyond the Box Set, you can subscribe and browse our back catalogue on any podcasting platform, including Apple, Spotify, Google Play, and many others, all of which you can also leave a five-star review if you wish. It really helps us to attract new listeners. You can also support us on Patreon, which is exclusively for the people who would raise us more than five stars if they could. You can access all of our bonus features, including being part of our live call-ins, bonus episodes, dedicated 30-second ad slot, and much more. All the links. Did you delete the bit of text that says "Don't ad lib"? I, I started and I, I lost track of my own. I, I lost I track of my living. Never learned, do you? I I'm sorry, I don't. You can find all of those at links in the description below or at beyondtheboxset.com. Mm-hmm. And next week, Harry, clearly I've set a very high bar. Yes. How are you going to top it? Okay. Well, I because this Oscar season is showing is, is turning out to just be a massive downer. Mm-hmm. And we've just had to watch this film as well, which just adds to it. Sure. Okay, well, I'm, I'm sorry. Why? I'm sorry. So I thought I'd go with the most entertaining film that I could think of. Okay. Which is, to be honest, that's generally my rule most weeks. Sure. Just go for the most entertaining film that I can think of. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, next week we are going to be doing Con Air. <gasps> okay, I'm excited <laughs> for that. See, I told you you'd like it. Yeah, that's good. That's a good pick. Okay, yeah, I mean, yeah. I've, I've seen it once many, many years ago. Mm-hmm. And I had also seen The Bodyguard once and Dreamgirls once many, many years ago. So, and they didn't turn out so well. True, this I, could I, go either way. I have more confidence in this one, okay. I feel. What a turn from You Can Count On Me to Connor. Yeah. That is a that is a, a heel turn. Yeah. So if all goes to plan, this is the sort of film that I want to be watching. Okay. So think of something to follow it up. Okay, no, I will. Okay. Yeah. Um, anyway, yeah, join us next week for Con Air. See you next week, followed by my next pick, Roma. Yeah. <laughs> All right, thank you everybody for listening. See you later. Bye. Bye.
I've never been so bored in my whole life. <laughs>